This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we'll be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing one spell. With the gaze turns inward to see real beauty, we'll be returning to weaving magic. Join us on the path of suns and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast The Gaze Turns Inward to See Real Beauty, we discuss the character options in the Invisible Sun RPG. This time we'll be continuing our discussion of weavers and advanced weaving mechanics. Our previous discussion of weavers provided the basics of how weaving magic works and most of the information you'll need uh, for a starting weaver character, but there are some complications uh, to advanced weavers as they move up in uh, rank in their order. Uh, that modify the way that they work in ways that are relevant to any weaver to see what the trajectory is likely to be. Uh, also, to fully understand the power of weaving magic, it's important to understand the sorts of benefits that these weavers will be getting down the road as they advance uh, in their order. So I wanted to spend some time talking about uh, advancement of weavers and how it modifies the basic process of weaving magic. Just to recap, uh, weavers, remember, are spontaneous casters. Uh, rather than having, or in addition to having a small number of rote spells like every other character does, uh, they can spontaneously create effects based upon aggregates to which they have access. These aggregates are sort of thematic powers that they can combine to create a spell effect uh, so that you might be able to combine... Um, you know, fire and infinity to cast a very long arc of flame or something along those lines. Uh, but they have to respect absences associated with each of these aggregates. Uh, so if fire cannot ever um, uh, create an ice effect, naturally, uh, then they cannot use the fire aggregate to do anything that involves cold or ice uh, or something along those lines. So it's a, a matter of balancing the qualities associated with each aggregate combining them together to create a spell effect while respecting the restrictions implied by their absences. Is there a limit to the level of spell effect that they can cast? Um, I don't, I'm, let's see, I'm looking at it now and I don't believe it lists a, a cap okay. uh, on spell effect. Yeah, I'm just wondering because a Goetic at first degree can only summon, summon a level three demon at most. So I was wondering if they had the same sort of restriction for a Weaver. Right. I will. I am uh, uh, scanning look. now, <laughs> but I don't believe they have that limit. The limit really is binding on the amount of um, uh, sorcery that they have. And so with... Is often the case with weavers um, in the games I've played and the reports I've heard from other people is that they uh, burn through sorcery very quickly and uh, tend to uh, be sort of fire, uh, you know, uh, fire and forget missiles in terms of, of magic. Uh, they will come up when your group faces an obstacle that no one else can figure out what to do. The weaver will do something very expensive <laughs> and, get, and get you around yeah. that. But then they're done with their weaving for a little while. 
Yeah, um, that that tends to be what what happens at the table here too. Like the weaver casts something. It doesn't seem like a super crazy effect, but even just helping somebody to float a little more safely is is essentially level three, which is three. Uh, three sorcery, which can be expensive. And, and that's still a very minimal sort of effect. If people uh-huh. are going to create giant phantasmic creatures to attack their foes, um, in one of our games, we created, a, uh, I probably under costed the uh, effect of creating a giant bridge for people to escape a burning building. Um, these these can chew up sorcery very fast. Uh, but there are some ways to reduce those costs. And that's a lot of what advancing in the Order of Weavers does. Uh, as you advance, you get, there's a couple different, uh, well, a couple different ways the costs are reduced. But first, uh, w- building up to one of those ways, uh, Weavers will start with two aggregates. Uh, I mentioned, you know, fire and infinity. Uh, there's others that range from storms to alleyways to winter, all sorts of different themes. But you can eventually gain more aggregates as you advance in the order. Uh, at different level, different degrees, you will uh, either gain access to more aggregates to choose from, and or the ability to weave more aggregates together at the same time. So a second degree weaver, for instance, uh, will have access to three aggregates, but can still only weave two of them together at a time. So whenever they're choosing to do their spells, they're trying to decide which two they want to weave together. A degree three weaver gets access to four aggregates and can now weave up to three of them at any time. So mm-hmm. rather than weaving two at a time, it's three at a time. And there's some advantages to doing that. There's The, the two most important advantages um, are that the weaving more than two uh, a- aggregates gives you access to each of the aggregates uh, duration and range. Remember that when deciding the default duration and range for an effect, it is the largest default range or duration of any of the aggregates used to compose that, uh, that weaving. So if you weave in a third aggregate that increases your range or duration, it's going to affect your, your default range and duration. And having more options to do that just expands your options of how to combine maximum ranges and maximum durations. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also an advantage to weaving with similar or, or, or aggregates with similar or identical qualities. I, I think this language is very important. Uh, it's not saying you have to have exactly the same quality on two of the uh, threads that you're including in your weaving, uh, but they should be f- quite similar. Uh, and uh, and if they're similar enough, and this will have to be a kind of a negotiation and a practice you, you you define at the table, the effect of that weaving is increased by one without increasing its cost. The effect of the weaving or the level? The level of effect <laughs> okay. is, I think, the, 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 uh, the language that they use. Okay. All right. So it does not increase. So the cost does not go up, but it is one more effective, which... I really ends up just being a one level reduction in the cost because you usually start with an effect and then figure out what the cost is. Well, this would drop that. This would allow you to achieve the same effect with one level of cost reduction. Uh, okay. Though it could also just say, okay, well, you, you know, you wanted to have level four effect. Um, but now that you're combining multiple threads, 
uh, with similar or identical qualities, you get that extra level if it's, say, damage or something like that, where you just want the extra anyway. This is one thing that I've found a little bit odd. When you're combining uh, two qualities that are exactly the same, I I have trouble picturing what it's achieving because a lot of the nuance for me comes from taking these two different aspects, putting them together and saying, all right, when I take fire and infinity, it makes this, you know, long striking blast of fire. But what happens when you take fire and fire? <laughs> it's like really I, fiery. <laughs> yeah, it's really fiery. Like I lose all of the creative juice when it comes to that. Yeah, I, th I think you're giving up some of the narrative peculiarity and uniqueness of the system when you're combining things that are too similar. But mm -hmm. as you'll see, the the, um, a, the incentives are in place for weavers to specialize within their weavings, mm -hmm. which is kind of odd um, to some degree, uh, though I think it's a natural byproduct of how people play the game anyway. Uh, but yeah, if it's you... And you're not required that these aggregates or these qualities be identical, but just similar or identical. So I would, uh, since I'm pretty permissive anyway, I might use fire and uh, harm as being for a fireball as being similar. Uh, oh, but you have to kind of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it it would depend on context to some to some extent. Um, the example they use in uh, the key is that fire and freedom both have movement as a quality. That's identical, so that's easy. Uh, and moonlight has quiet. So if you combined fire, freedom, and moonlight, you could move quietly and get this bonus of a a plus one. Let's see, level of effect without increasing the cost because of that similar uh, uh, pairing of qualities within your set of three. Well, I mean, but you were saying you, you could combine movement, movement, and quiet? Yes. The qualities are movement, movement, and quiet. But if you're combining three different qualities, is there a difference to the, like, the bonus that you're getting? If there are three dissimilar qualities, you'd get no bonus. Okay. But if it was two similar qualities and then a third that was uh, not similar, you'd get the plus one bonus. Okay, and if you combine three similar qualities, that uh, you would you it would only work if you could combine three of four qualities. So you'd have to first be able to weave four aggregates together, oh, which is a okay. higher degree. But if three of your four qualities are similar or identical, you get a plus two level of effect bonus without increasing the cost. Okay, that makes sense. So you have to increase both your number of aggregates woven simultaneously and be and uh, have that overlap to get the bonus. And you'll notice as you advance in the uh, weaving degrees, uh, you will sometimes get new aggregates, but not get the ability to weave more aggregates simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And other times you'll get the simultaneous weaving increase without necessarily increasing the number of aggregates you have. Cool. Um, they're not mutually exclusive, I don't think, but they're not always at the same time. Yeah, I think uh, the second degree gets an extra aggregate, but doesn't get the ability to weave more together. Correct. It's third degree that allows you uh, to, let's see, it allows you access to four aggregates and weave three of them at a time. Okay. Well, yeah, it's not until fifth degree that they have, let's see, six aggregates and can weave four at a time with the possibility of that plus two bonus. Okay. 
So you have to watch both your number of aggregates and the number that can be woven together at the same time, because those are two different abilities. Mm -hmm. Cool. And of course, as you increase the number of aggregates, you're increasing the number of absences that you have to respect. So you have more options, but more restrictions. Right. So the first, this is the first way that weavers can reduce the cost of their weavings. That is, as they advance, they can bring in more aggregates into the same casting, and doing so can actually increase the spell effect without uh, increasing cost, which is, in effect, a cost reduction for the final level of this spell effect. But there are other uh, parts of advancement that also reduce cost. Uh, one of these is, uh, I, I referred to last time, I believe, as, as using recipes. That is, if you have used an effect before uh, and you advance, this is pretty much every uh, advancement from uh, two second and then beyond, you get a what's called practiced weave. And a practiced weave is some weave that you've done in the past, you decide you want to be able to do again. Uh, and by declaring that as your practiced weave, uh, you it, that that in the future that weave is going to cost you one less benet from your sorcery pool. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it just reduces the cost of something you've done before. And every time you advance in your degree, you're going to choose uh, one new weave to give that benefit to. So a second degree weaver should already have one of these then. No, they they well when you become a second degree weaver, I believe is the first time you have that you can declare that. Yeah, that's what I meant. Once you become second degree, you can declare one of your weaves as practiced. Yes. Okay. And then another at third, another at fourth. Okay. Um, I got to check in with my weaver and see which one he he selected. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you keep a log of the effects that you might want to declare as a practiced weave in the future. Uh, if you find yourself always going, if you're like, well, I'm in this particular uh, uh, game, I'm blasting a lot of things with fire and infinity. Uh, and so, and we, we're just used to it now. We know exactly how much it costs to do a level three fire blast of fire and infinity or whatever it might be. You might say, I, I just want to make that less costly because I'm doing that a lot. I hope my weaver chooses teleportation. Absolutely. It's uh, really so it's, expensive. <laughs> yeah. And they're going it. You just want to choose something you're using a lot uh, to take maximum advantage of the practiced weave. Uh, I, I want him to teleport a lot. <laughs> so that's one way. Uh, actually, the second way. So there's more aggregates as you go up in, in order with the possibility of synergies reducing cost. The second cost reduction is practiced weaving, where you declare a particular recipe uh, that you've used before uh, and thereby reduce the cost of using that, uh, that recipe in the future. Uh, the last way to reduce the cost is called enhanced weave. Uh, this, let's see, uh, this comes in at the third degree. And fourth, fifth, and sixth. So it doesn't happen at second, but everywhere beyond that. An enhanced weave, you declare one of the qualities of one of your aggregates. And whenever you use that quality it reduces the cost of the spell by one benet from your sorcery pool. That sounds helpful. Yes. And again, you can, in some sense, you can combine these. So um, teleportation, you were saying, is is that infinity and what? I think it was movement and infinity. Okay. Um, so if you've got movement and infinity, 
if moving to the, at the second degree, they made a, uh, the player may decide this should be a practiced weave, and uh, declaring it a practiced weave will reduce the cost by one. Mm-hmm. And then at third degree, they can say, "Oh, well, I want to, enha- I want this to be an enhanced, or I want to enhance my movement quality under, or don't no, let's say distance, I guess, under infinity." And I'm just everything I do that includes the distance quality is now going to be reduced by one. Well, if the teleportation uses distance as a quality, it is now being reduced by two. Yep. Uh, and I don't know what the other uh, what the other quality would with, but if it's using two qualities, when you advance to fourth degree, you could declare your enhanced weave the other quality in the teleportation weave, and you have a net reduction of three points of sorcery on that teleportation move. Yeah, that would be handy. I think when he cast it, it was a short teleportation, and I think it was like a level five or six effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so bringing that down to a, did we say uh, it would be reduced by two at the end? It could be reduced by three, but not until three. you're a fourth degree weaver. Because you'd, you oh would, right, you'd be pra- it would be practiced, and you'd put that reduction on the quality for each quality that it uses. So you could bring that thing down to be pretty cheap. Right. And the enhancement on the movement quality or each of these qualities will apply to all the spontaneous casting that use the same qualities. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be just this recipe, uh, but it would certainly also help this recipe. <laughs> yes. So against whatever qualities you think you'll be using a lot in the future is where you want to invest your enhanced weave. Cool. Uh, let's see. So what other like things did we not cover with intro weavers? That's that is most of how weavers advance. For the most part, weavers just become more efficient in whatever they declare in terms of qualities and recipes. But one thing I did want to emphasize that we mentioned last time, but I don't think emphasized sufficiently, is that the weaver society is very different than the other orders, uh, the other organized orders in particular. So. Goetics and Maker, or no, I think maybe it's Goetics, Makers, and Vances. Uh, I'd uh, say that Goetics and Vances have a much more structured organization. Makers have, they have some organization, but it is, not, it's not as structured as the other two. So, so maybe I think it's Goetics and Vances then that start with a level of connection to their order uh, at character creation. But I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's correct. Uh, weavers do not. So they don't they don't start with any level of connection to the order of weavers. And this uh, indicates that the stories about weavers are likely different than stories about Vance's and Goetics, in part because weavers participate in a kind of decentralized order. They don't have a big order house. Uh, they don't have a college campus of weavers. Uh, these sorts of centralized uh, structures that are present for some of the other uh, orders. Instead, weaving is, it tends to emphasize a a small group and a one-to-one relationship between a character and a mentor. So interesting note, weavers are the only ones that don't have a connection to their order. Okay. So So the other three orders get a connection. Yeah. Right. So they're like apostates in that respect. Uh, And I think it says something about apostates. They're not an order. Well, they are, they are not an order, but in terms of character creation, like apostates, weavers do not start with a connection to a to uh, an organized order. Unlike apostates, weavers aren't stupid. <laughs> that is a debate for another day. <laughs> but 
it, it does indicate that Weaver's stories could be like apostate stories to some degree that like apostates, you're, the social circle of the Weaver in relation to their magic, at least, is going to be small. And so apostates will likely have small groups of uh, that that work together and explore magic uh, rather than a whole order. Well, weavers also have these kind of small groups um, that they tend to work together with and emphasize the small group relation rather than a huge hierarchical structure uh, with centralized authority and uh, particular zones of Saturine and Fartown or, or things like that. Uh, so the, the game's trying to signal to you through character creation that Weaver society is a decentralized kind of small group, ne- network of small groups, rather than this bureaucracy that we see maybe most uh, clearly in Vance's. Um, and I think you should lean into that, uh, unless you really, really don't want to. But by default, you should lean into that for Weaver characters, that instead of asking about their relationship within the order uh, and their place in the hierarchy and all of that, talk about their position within a cell. And so advancement for uh, for weavers to, uh, involves uh, teaching and learning from different people within a given cell that is your small group. Uh, you're expected eventually to lead ceremonies, uh, to share your weavings and, and things like that. But it's within this particular cell structure rather than uh, kind of an academy where you're, you know, meeting for classes that begin in September uh, or whatever September is in, uh, in Saturn. Uh, it is, it's this small uh, cellular structure rather than a bureaucratic structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this might impact your stories in that if, you know, if a Vance needs to find something out, uh, she may say, well, I'm going to go talk to uh, the people in, you know, uh, people at the, at the college. And I'll go to the college library and I'll go to a faculty member who specializes in this, whatever it may be, because there's a hierarchy that clearly defines who do you ask such questions? Who is recognized as the expert on such issues? And maybe even where do I go take a class on the subject? Whereas a weaver uh, might say, oh, well, maybe my buddies know something about this. <laughs> and they go ask their small group of people with whom they tend to uh, uh, train and explore magic uh, rather than this sort of very defined hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it might just be, hey, any of, does anybody here know about this particular demon or this particular type of magic or this particular location? Uh, and so the if you want to build up a connection, it's a personal connection rather than a uh, kind of a, a, a an organizational connection. Eventually, by the sixth degree, weavers are expected to start their own cell and lead it. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Cell's an interesting word here. I think other, con- it almost seems like cult. Um, but that gives you some opportunity to define what the parameters are for the group, what defines this group and distinguishes it from other weaving groups or other groups of kind of fellow travelers exploring magic. Uh, And you can have a lot of flavor for your particular group and its uh, values and what it emphasizes, what interests it and how it operates. Uh, So there's more flexibility here for a weaver because you're not constrained by setting material that defines how the order advances operates and how the order of makers operates and the particular rituals that you have to do to advance in those orders. Here, the, the 
player is going to define that on behalf of their character, which is a, kind of a, a, a different experience than you're likely to have uh, with these other orders. Any other questions about kind of how we advance weavers and how advanced weavers change the way they weave uh, and how that might uh, influence weavers' strategies for advancing and, and investing their resources as they advance their character? Uh, at this point, I don't have any other questions, but I'm sure we'll find something that we need to like dig in on and clarify or correct. <laughs> likely the case and we and what we might be able to do is is uh, with some more experience in the system and might come back to uh, more examples um, of uh, challenges in interpreting weaves uh, and maybe even disputes over how to handle uh, level assignment or other sorts of characteristics of weaves yeah as far as that goes things have been pretty smooth at the table for me um I think I've only rejected one weave once because of a, an absence, uh, but I think it was mostly just an oversight. Uh, but yeah, the, the weaving has been pretty good and interesting. Yeah, and I'm so permissive that it never really caused much of, much of a problem because if it didn't seem overpowered, even if it exceeded the power scale, mm -hmm. I'd usually allow it. Like, like I mentioned that, that, uh, that kind of bridge to allow people to escape a dangerous situation. If I had like, how large is this bridge? How heavy is this bridge? What kind of object are they actually creating? It probably would have been a much higher effect. <laughs> Instead, I just sort of play like this is it's an inert sort of force that just the effect it's having is moving people. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, I, I kind of underplayed the cost a little bit because it fit the story and it seemed like an interesting way for that story to resolve. Yeah. And that's that's kind of how I feel about weaving like. Hey, if it fits and it's not super powerful, like, cool. Right. It was, it almost was like a, a green, green lantern sort of effect where they're just creating this particular solid light construct to accomplish a very particular purpose. But I didn't see how that construct would be abused because they weren't saying, okay, now I'm going to take this bridge and I'm going to hit the monster with it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a super heavy object so it's going to do like no then we especially with damage i think it is much easier to adjudicate well i mean damage is just you know one point per level of effect right right and so the areas where the it, there's the most potential for abuse um, i think are actually the most clearly defined mm -hmm. uh, so it, it has worked well in my experience i'm glad to hear it has worked well in yours uh, but we yeah. may revisit this if, if uh, more questions pop up uh, through our play or through what we hear about other people's play. But it's it's an interesting complement to the other uh, orders and their systems of magic. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. 
So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha help people find us.